0: It's a story about Sherlock Holmes and and his assistant Watson, and they were out one night uh, sleeping, or trying to sleep, I should say, and Watson, uh, Holmes looks at Watson and says to Watson, he says, Watson, look at the sky. Just look at that sky and tell me what you see. And Watson replies, he says, I see millions and millions and millions of stars and Sherlock Holmes looks at him and says, what, what, what does that tell you? And Watson's reply is profound. He says, well, if there are millions of stars and if there really are other star systems, then it is quite likely that there are some Earth-like planets out there and if there is such a planet, there may exist life as well. Sherlock Holmes was... A little struck by what Watson had just said, and then Sherlock Holmes, in his very direct and very blunt way, said the following, Watson, you're an idiot. The starry sky, you can see, tells us that someone has stolen our tent. (laughs) Got a little bit of a reaction. I was a little delayed. I mean, come on. It's almost, well, it's 11 o'clock. You should be awake now. You should be ready to go. And as we talk about this particular psalm today, we talk about the creation. We talk about how great and grand his creation is, God's creation is, and what he did to make all that happen. And the Bible does not tell us how creation took place. It simply tells us that God is the one who did it. The variety of theories out there, and we're not going to get into those this morning, but there are a variety of theories out there about how creation happened and all these types of things, but the Bible is very clear on this one thing, that God created it all. And I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 8, and you'll see what I'm talking about here. It says this, Yahweh our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is humanity that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels. You crown them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, we pray as we come into this time of looking at your word, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes so that we could see a greater glimpse of your majesty. That you would open our ears, that we could hear your still small voice in the midst of all the noise that is in our lives. That you would open our minds so that we could perhaps understand a little bit better how truly magnificent you are, and that you would open our hearts, open them in such a way that we would be transformed to be more and more of the people that you've called us to be. Holy Spirit, we pray that no one would hear anything that I say, but only what it is that you want people to hear. And Lord Jesus, may you receive all glory every last bit of glory, because you deserve so much more. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the psalmist starts with this word, Yahweh. You'll notice in your Bible, the word Lord is in all caps, and that means this is God's personal word, this is God's personal name. And so, so he starts off this psalm, and, and when he starts it off this way, That one word packs a big punch. He calls God, he addresses him by his own name, and and then he follows it up and he says, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? As you read these psalms, you'll notice this, that more often than not, the psalmist will not bring up God's name until a little bit further into the psalm. But in this particular psalm, it's one of the few psalms where the psalmist immediately goes to who God is. The first word out of his mouth is a word of praise. So often in our lives, the first words out of our mouth are not ones of praise. They're more about the situation in which we find ourselves. They're more about our our current circumstances which are overwhelming us. And and God will will eventually address the situation with God, but but we have to get through 10 to 15, 20, 30, 40, an hour, who knows how long it's going to take us to get to God and talk to him about it. And what I love about what the psalmist does here is he starts immediately by just saying, what we're going to discuss, I praise you from from the very outset. And it occurs to me that when we start by praising God, it tends to put things into a little bit of a different perspective. He says, Yahweh, and then he says, our Lord. So he starts with praise, but it's also something else that's going on here. He's also asking for help. Yahweh, our Lord. You're the one that we're following. You're the one that we need. And this acknowledgement of who he is. Yes, he is this grand God. He is this majestic God. Yet he is also the one that helps us in our time of need. Our Lord. Our Lord, so many times I think we say that word Lord and we fail to grasp the significance of that word. When we say Jesus Christ is our Lord, what we're saying is you are the one to whom I submit. You are the one who I owe my life to. You are the one who has the authority in my life. And as I look at my own life and as I look at other people's lives, it, it occurs to me that, that we'll sit there and we'll talk about how great he is and how he has authority, yet we live our lives as if he's simply a byword. He's a byproduct, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a side-off word, he's a, he's, he's, we're just simply going to bypass him with, diff, with the way we live our lives, and yet we need to take a serious look at what's going on here. That if we're going to acknowledge him as our Lord, then we need to submit to the way he desires us to live life. So Yahweh our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth and what ends up happening as we offer up praise to him and what happens as we say that you are my Lord it always 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 has a way of adjusting our focus. All of a sudden this problem this massive problem that we have we realize that God is bigger than our problem. We realize that the one who created the heavens and the earth, we realize the one whose name is more majestic in all the earth, we realize that he can handle what's going on in our lives. All of us have a variety of things happening in our lives that we never perhaps anticipated happening. Yet the psalmist realizes as he's getting ready to lay out this beautiful psalm, he realizes that it all has to be encapsulated or or underneath the umbrella of how great God is. So what's going on in your life today? What big problems are you experiencing that seem to be taking center stage of your life? My hope, my prayer for all of us is that as we look at this psalm, that we would remember that God is bigger than our problems that he can do the work necessary. And then he says this in verse 2, he says, Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Children and infants, people that don't have a whole lot of, of, uh, of, and follow me here, they don't have a whole lot of economic worth. Back in the day, and I've shared this with you before, the infant mortality rate, as, this, as, as the psalmist and, and when Jesus comes along, the infant mortality rate at that time was 40%. There's a very good chance that your child wouldn't make it to be five years of age. And so the psalmist, what I find interesting is that the psalmist says, yes, even these people that, that society doesn't treasure that much, Even the insignificant ones offer up praise to you. And to tell you how great that praise is, look at what happens at the end of verse 3. It says that praise is used to silence the foe and the avenger. Out of the mouths of little children, out of the mouths of infants, Satan is defeated by the name of God Almighty. That's how wonderfully awesome our God is. And so he sets the stage, and then we move into verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars to which you have set in place, at which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? It's almost as if the psalmist is saying, as I look at how great things are, I want to cry out to infinity and beyond. Yes, Toy Story. At least some of you got that reference. But this, the psalmist, this part of the psalm is so magnificent. He's sitting there and you can almost see, and remember this is David that's talking now. So in those times when he was taking care of sheep, there were times at night that all he could see were stars everywhere. He looks up, he gazes at them. And he says, when I consider your heavens, and this next phrase, the work of your fingers. Many people in Israel and many of her neighbors around Israel worshipped the heavenly beings at that time. They worshipped stars, they worshipped the sun, they worshipped different planets. And what David ends up doing here is he confronts this thinking by stating that those things that you worship are the very creation from my God's fingertips. These things that you stand in awe of, these things that you bow down and worship to, my God created them with his own fingers. My God, who is far greater than than any of his creation, he created them with his fingers. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. God's creation, God's creation and this is a massive understatement is rather large and very impressive. On the screen right now, you're going to see a picture of a picture of the following. It's called the Lagoon Nebula. This particular nebula is 4,000 light years away. It is 55 light years wide. It is 20 light years tall. It's magnificent. We move to the next one. This one has a much more creative name. It is called Nebula NGC 6302. The gas from this nebula is traveling at 950,000 kilometers per hour. Fast enough to travel from the Earth to the moon in 24 minutes. The surface temperature of this particular star is estimated to be 220,000 degrees Celsius. It, is, it was at one time five times the mass of the sun. It's ginormous. It's fantastic. And the next one is called the Red, St- Red Spider Nebula. It's 3,000 light years away, and if you can see this very quickly, you'll see these, see these waves next to that star, and they just look like clouds. But these waves are estimated, get this, to be 100 billion kilometers high. Can you imagine surfing that, Daryl Simpson? (laughs) Ginormous. Amazing. These are just three. And they're out there everywhere. Three things. And so the psalmist says, when I consider the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, he sees the enormity of God's creation. And in the midst of how enormous God's creation is, it is very easy to think this. Do I even matter? There are 7 billion people on this planet. 7 billion people on this planet. We have these nebulas that we just looked at that we can't see with the naked eye. But they're out there. They're ginormous. They're fantastic. They're majestic. And in the midst of it, the psalmist says, what is mankind that you're mindful of? Human beings that you care for them. It is so easy. In the grandeur of God's creation, in the, in the mass of humanity that is on this planet, it is so easy to come to a place where you say, do I even matter? Do I even matter? The psalmist is so struck by how incredible creation is that he says, do you even think about us? Are you even mindful of us? Researchers are telling us over and over again that we are more connected now than any other time in human history. They're also saying this, that we are also more lonely and depressed now than at any other time in history. We read about the majesty and the, and the awesomeness of God's creation, and in the middle of all that, people struggle to realize that they have significance. The Golden Gate Bridge, architectural marvel. It's been in existence since 1937. Since 1937, 1,700 people have jumped from the bridge to their death. If you go to the Golden Gate Bridge, you see these crisis phones along the way. And notice what it says, crisis text line, and then the very very last, very bottom, it says, there is hope. There's hope. And people need to know that. People are crying out from that, and they wonder if they have any significance whatsoever. One person's, one single suicide affects 115 people. That network that's around them is greatly affected. Bridge patrol officers of the Golden Gate Bridge have been interviewed, and and they say this, that each and every day they encounter at least one person contemplating jumping. We're the most connected. We have things at our fingertips, and yet people are being devastated because they feel that they don't matter if you were to go to the Golden Gate Bridge now you would be you would see the beginnings or not just the beginning but they're working on putting together what is called the suicide deterrent net It is 380,000 square feet it will cost over 200 million dollars it will be finished in 2021 and the whole reason is this Psychologists have done the studying on, on, on all these different things, and, and they said this, that the hope by putting that net in place is as people jump, people really don't want to die. And it's hoping by, that, by them landing, and it's a steel net, that, that that will shock them to remember that there is hope. There are people in our lives right now that are wondering if they matter. The psalmist, as he's writing these words, says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? If you're here this morning wondering if anyone cares about you, I want you to hear me clearly. God cares. This community of Christ followers cares. You're not alone. And so the psalmist is seeing how how magnificent this is, and he begins to question whether or not he has any significance, whether or not God even knows he exists, and we come to verse 5. And there almost seems to be a pause between verse 4 and verse 5, and it's almost as if David is saying, I need to take some time to consider this. And then he says this. You have made them a little lower than the angels. And those of you that are looking on your Bible or you're on your Bible app right now, right next to the word angels, you'll see an italicized letter. That italicized letter tells you to go down to the bottom and take a look at the footnote. Last week, I talked about the pivot. This week, I continue talking about the pivot, and I call it the footnote pivot. Because when you take a look at this, When you take a look at what's really being said here, it changes the way we read this. Footnotes matter and this one really matters. You have made them a little lower than the angels. You go down to the footnote and this is what you read. You made them a little lower than God. That's what David wrote. People were so concerned about the way this passage was going to be interpreted, they were concerned that humanity was going to get a big head. And so the interpreter said, we need to tone this down just a little bit. But God is here. Humanity is right there. Now, Henry, clearly, God is here. We are still below him. Some of you have a God complex. I'm here to correct that today. You are not God. Neither am I. But that is how much we matter to him. You were created just a little bit lower than God himself. That's magnificent. You saw these nebulas. You saw these star formations. You saw all the grandeur. You see it all the time, the grandeur of of creation. And it's real easy to think, do I matter? And God says, do you matter? I created you just a little bit lower than myself. Just a little bit lower. The truth of the matter is this. In light of all of creation, right now you are on God's mind. Is he mindful of you? Oh yeah, you're on his mind right now. You're on his mind right now. You've made them a little bit lower than the angels and you crown them, or you made them a little bit lower than yourself and you crown them with glory and honor. How do we know that he's mindful of us? How do we know this? In your Bibles, flip to Hebrews chapter 2. And we'll take a look at this passage for just a brief moment. And in Hebrews chapter 2, we see this beautiful, beautiful paragraph. Starting at verse 10. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that... By his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that they might become a, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted how do we know he's mindful of us he became one of us he didn't stay off in the distance and say figure it out on yourselves eventually i hope you figure it out Jesus Christ, God himself, came and lived among us. That's how we know he's mindful of us. That's how we know he understands us. That's how we know we matter. Are you here this morning questioning your significance in God's eye? If you are, I encourage you to turn your eyes to Jesus Christ, to be reminded that He loves you, that He understands you. We're told in Hebrews, that little passage I just read, that He Himself was suffered in every single way that you and I are, yet was without sin. Whatever temptation you're facing today, Jesus Christ understands that. Whatever's going on in your life right now, whether it's pain or it's, it's glee, it's, 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 it's good things or bad things, he understands it entirely. He is mindful of you. Are you mindful of him? The psalmist continues on, and because of our status in God's eyes, we are to care for his creation going to see a variety of pictures coming up now. We are to care for this creation that's that's all around us. This creation that 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 is beautiful. That is magnificent. And that in the midst of this creation and the, look at the, this fish. God had a blast making that fish. We see the next one. Beautiful flowers. See the next one. Don't want to tangle with that. Lions. That's the exact response I thought I was going to (laughs) get. Oh, isn't that cute? Dogs. And then let's move on. I'm not a fan of cats. I just wanted to get up there so you can see that I'm an equal opportunity slide guy. But uh, we're getting out. We're moving on. Even cats we're going to care for. My point is this. God's mindful of us. He cares for us. He doesn't stop caring for us and because of that we get to care for his creation you made them rulers over the works of your hands you put everything under their feet all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild the birds in the sky the fish in the sea all that swim the paths of the sea we get to be God's ambassadors in this world by taking care of creation and then notice the way the psalmist wraps this up and he says this Yahweh our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth he starts with he opens it with this phrase and he wraps it up with this phrase and in between verse 1 and verse 9 we see a reason for the praise we see a reason for the praise because of how great God's creation is we see a reason for the praise and how much he cares for us that he's mindful of us we see a reason for the praise and the fact that he's given us opportunity to care for those things that come into our lives, to care for creation. He starts it with praise. He ends it with praise for a reason. And the conclusion that can be reached is this. There is no one, no one more creative and able to love more deeply than Jesus Christ himself. There just isn't. There just isn't. I asked you a few moments ago, God is mindful of us. Are you Mindful of him. We read these words in Romans chapter 5. It says this. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to go, dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were not mindful of God, God was mindful of us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he cares for us. He wasn't even on our mind. And yet, he comes along and he rescues us. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. In all the earth. Your name. Your name. Your name. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That name changes lives forever. His name truly is majestic over all the earth. And so I ask you this morning. I ask you this morning, do you matter? Based on Psalm 8, you most certainly do. Does God matter to you? Does the one who created you and created all that's around you, does he matter to you? Because you matter to him greatly. Father, we pray as we process this, We ask that you would forgive us for those times when we have completely forgotten you. That you would forgive us for those times that not only did we forget you, but then we then thought that we knew far better what to do than you did. Father, forgive us for those times when in the midst of our despair that we've forgotten that you are mindful of us. And Lord, for those people in this room, myself included, that perhaps are going through difficult times, we would ask right now that you would help each and every one of us know that you are a great God That in the midst of your greatness, you still have the incredible capacity to care for each and every one of us in ways that blows our mind. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would maneuver in such a way that we would receive that help, that we would receive that grace that you want to give us to remind us that not only do we matter, but you have given us purpose to live that out in caring for your creation. So, Lord, do your work, and Lord, we thank you that you truly are majestic. You truly are creative. You truly are the one that cares for us unlike anyone else. Do your work, and we thank you so much for Jesus Christ and the work that was accomplished through him. May we never forget that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the children are going to come in and just, uh, I believe, very soon. And, and we come to this time, and we, it's the first Sunday of the month, and, and we celebrate what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We celebrate that <coughs> on the night that he was betrayed that he took bread and he took a cup and he broke that bread and he poured wine into that cup to remind us of how much he cares for us and also to commemorate what he was about to do for us. It happened during that Passover week that, that Christ gathered the apostles around him And as they gathered around, they were excited because they were celebrating Passover. But also there was something else going on behind the scenes, and it was Jesus knew that this was it. This was the last time he was going to be eating this meal with them. And so he did what I said he did just a few moments ago. And then he said this, do this in remembrance of me. And so on the first Sunday of every month, we celebrate communion. And communion is is a remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's for those of us that have placed our trust and faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If you've done that, please, whether you're a member here or not, we invite you to to partake of these elements and, and celebrate what God has done in Jesus Christ. If you've not placed your trust in Him, we invite you to prayerfully consider what He has done and allow the elements to pass you by. And perhaps at this very moment you would say yes to Jesus, I want to follow you. If that's the case, then we say please participate with us. But if Christ is not Lord of your life, we invite you to let those pass on and reflect on what Jesus Christ has done. And so as the elements come, simply hold on to them and then we will take them together.